0: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com/socks. Where do we even start with the great and iconic Muhammad Ali? The career of one of the greatest athletes in human history is as legendary as the man himself. His fighting career gave us some of the defining moments and images of the entire 20th century. But as great as that fighting career was, it unfortunately had to come to an end at some point. I'm Jamie Logie and this is Everything 80s, a podcast that looks back on a decade that forever changed the way we dressed, consumed, and connected. And today, we travel back to 1981 and the end of the line for the People's Champion – This is a story of Muhammad Ali's final fight. I'm unfortunately not old enough to remember the heyday of Muhammad Ali's incredible boxing career, but I did get to relive it through my dad, who was a huge fan. So, as a young kid in the 80s, I was very aware of the boxing career of the individual that absolutely mesmerized me. Muhammad Ali wasn't just a great boxer, but a genuine entertainer. His rhymes and trash-talking made him a larger-than-life figure to me, and many people. Growing up, I loved pro wrestling, and the old footage of Muhammad Ali seem right out of the world of professional wrestling. In fact, Ali says he based a lot of his persona on an old pro wrestler named Gorgeous George. My dad used to play me old VHS tapes of his fights and press conferences, and he seemed like Hulk Hogan or Roddy Piper before those people were even doing sports entertainment. Stay tuned for more on that pro-wrestling connection a little later on. But it wasn't just talk. The power and ferocity of Muhammad Ali in the ring was astonishing and almost frightening. The same man who was jovial and playful before the fight seemed like a genuine warrior when he stepped into the squared circle. Ali's power, speed, and agility made him seem superhuman opponents often couldn't land a clean shot before getting hit with a barrage of jackhammer-like punches. Ali's big fights were more than fights. They were events. After turning pro in 1960, Cassius Clay, as he was then known, eventually faced heavyweight champion Sonny Liston in a 1963 title fight, which Clay won at just 22 years of age. Fights against Floyd Patterson followed, leading Ali into a rivalry with Joe Frazier. Their first fight was called the Fight of the Century, followed by a second one. Then there was the famous Rumble in the Jungle, pitting Ali up against George Foreman, which Ali won by knockout. In 1975, a third bout against Frazier was dubbed the Thrilla in Manila. Ali won that fight by TKO in one of the most astonishing bouts in boxing history. As we get into the later 1970s, Ali continues to fight and also appear in some more entertainment endeavors, including an appearance in the then worldwide wrestling federation and a confrontation with Gorilla Monsoon. Also in 1976, Ali appeared in a hybrid boxing-wrestling match against the legendary wrestler Antonio Inoki, which, according to the Japan Times, was watched by 1.4 billion people worldwide. Ali continued to perform in some exhibition fights and in 1977, continued to defend his title. In 1978, an older Ali lost a split decision to a younger Leon Spinks. Then, in 1978 as well, Ali won back the title in a rematch with Spinks. In 1979, Muhammad Ali announced his retirement, but he soon changed his mind, deciding to fight Larry Holmes in October 1980. As we enter the 1980s, Ali is still training hard and in pretty great shape, but His age is catching up with him. Ali's skill was still there and he could still float like a butterfly and sting like a bee, but it became noticeably slower in the ring. For the Larry Holmes fight, Muhammad Ali was now about 38 years old, and this age was a real factor. This was also around the time when Ali began to exhibit some issues, including slurred speech and tingling in his hands. Despite this, Ali fought Holmes in a fight that was tough to watch. Ali looked in pretty good shape and had trained hard, but couldn't match up to the power of Larry Holmes. After just the first round, Ali looked like his heydays were officially long gone. Sports Illustrated said of that fight that Ali was, quote, like a Ferrari without the engine. It was called the last hurrah, but it was also known as the fight that should have never happened. But Ali, ever the warrior, battled throughout until his trainer, Angelo Dundee, stopped the fight. This should have been the end in Muhammad Ali's last professional fight. But there would be another. And before that even happened, Muhammad Ali continued to box in some exhibition fights. Barely three months after the Larry Holmes event, Ali faced Kaur Singh in a three round bout. And then just four days after that, fought former WBA heavyweight champion Jimmy Ellis in India for five rounds in another exhibition. This takes us into the fall of 1981 when rumors of another Muhammad Ali fight began to circulate. After all of the fallout from the Larry Holmes fight, Ali surrendered his boxing license to the Nevada State Athletic Council. RingTV.com reports that Ali went through extensive testing by a 30-person team that concluded that Ali hadn't suffered any injuries to any vital organs but everyone knew what they had seen that night against Larry Holmes with some slurring speech becoming more notable ali and his team led by promoter james cornelius were unable to find anywhere in the us that would agree to take on another muhammad ali fight ali still wasn't happy with the tko loss to holmes which was decided by his corner and he was willing to fight anywhere. Eventually, Cornelius found a place willing to host the fight, Paradise Islands in the Bahamas. The fight dubbed the Drama in the Bahamas is now set to be held on December 11th, 1981, hitting Ali up against a one-time opponent, Trevor Burbick. Burbick, about 27 years old at the time, had a 19-2-1 record and in his prior fights had knocked out several opponents in the first round. Burbeck was a legitimate opponent, but had also lost to Larry Holmes. How would the 39-year-old Ali do against the younger, faster, and stronger Burbeck? The wheels are in motion for this big event. And it didn't take long for the problems to begin. The drama in the Bahamas was to take place at the Queen Elizabeth Center. But this really wasn't a specific boxing venue. Or even finished for that matter. The center was actually a converted baseball stadium. And was still under construction leading up to the fight. And there were other problems. A December 1981 New York Times article reported that James Cornelius, the man in charge of promoting the fight, actually had no background in boxing promotion. Sports Internationale Limited, the new name of the company promoting the fight, was already running low on money and other boxers on the card were threatening to pull out. In the days leading up to the event, Some fighters were even locked out of their hotel rooms, as the hotel wasn't sure that the rooms could even be paid for. Issues over the money threatened to derail the entire event right up to the show. At the official weigh-in, Trevor Burbick realized he wasn't going to get all the money promised and announced, quote, I want all my money before I fight, unquote. The New York Times reported that Burbick had already received around $100,000, but was still owed a quarter of a million by the time he got there. If the money issues weren't enough, logistical problems at the venue also threatened to derail the event. The drama in the Bahamas started an hour or so late because no one could find the keys that unlocked the main gates. And then... Officials couldn't locate any water, or gloves, or a ring bell. According to Ring TV, there were only two pairs of gloves available for the five-fight undercard. But, somehow, the card managed to get underway, and eventually, thousands of people filled the converted stadium. Some reports say it was around 8,000 people. Others claim 10,000 or more. But regardless of the actual attendance, and despite all the issues surrounding the event, quite a lot of people still showed up. This still was Muhammad Ali, after all. People still wanted to get a glimpse of the legendary champion. It's now just an hour before the main event, and Trevor Burbick refuses to go on because he wants the balance of his money owed. Eventually, the officials of Select TV the TV promoter of the event, guaranteed he would get it. As Muhammad Ali makes his way to the ring, chants of Ali echo throughout the stadium. The commentators note that hearing those chants make it feel like old times. Trevor Burbick then makes his way to the ring and his referee Zach Clayton explains the rules. We get ready to see one of the most legendary athletes of our time face off against his much younger opponent how was this thing going to go would this be his final swan song did Muhammad Ali still have anything left in the tank or would this unfortunately go the way of the Larry Holmes fight the drama in the Bahamas managed to surprise everyone everything 80s will return after these messages the bell sounds and ali comes out with the first three jabs and then a combination landing a few punches Burbeck throws a few and misses and ali manages to dance around Burbeck's attack yes ali was slower but actually looked pretty decent Ali even connects with what looks like a punch that causes Burbick to stumble back into the corner. As the first round comes to a close, it was already a better round than any of the rounds during the Holmes fight. But this was just the first round of 10. Muhammad Ali still had a long way to go. But the crowd is loving it. As the second round begins, the commentators note how they can barely hear themselves over the roar of the crowd. Burbick had finished the first round pretty strong and during the second, Ali comes out jabbing. After watching this fight back, it amazes me how quick Ali still was on his feet. He may have looked slow or prone to stumbling off a push, but he quickly finds his feet to regain his position. But in the second round, Trevor Burbick really focuses on body shots. He even trash talks Ali despite the thunderous Ali chants. By the end of the second round, we can see that Ali's reflexes clearly aren't what they used to be, which is understandable, and he can't react how he needs to. Ali also isn't landing a lot of shots, but near the end of the round, he starts to connect. The commentators give the second round to Ali, but now we can see how tired the people's champ is. As the third round begins, Ali connects with a pretty hard right hand. Berbic responds later on with a flurry of body shots that Ali seems to absorb. As the third round comes to a close, Ali looks much better than I would have expected and significantly better than he did in the Larry Holmes fight. But we're not even at the halfway point. In the fourth round, a tentative Ali is pacing himself and not throwing a lot of punches. Burbick comes on strong, pounding on Ali in the corner. At this point, Ali is starting to hold on to Burbick and the commentators note how concerned they're becoming for Muhammad Ali. But because of all the offense he's putting in, Trevor Burbick is starting to really breathe hard. Burbick is looking like he's becoming more winded than anticipated. Ali finishes the fourth round connecting on a few combinations. He's still hanging in there. The fourth round finishes and the drama in the Bahamas for the moment Doesn't look like an embarrassment for Ali, but it looks like an actual fight. As we begin the fifth round, Berbic now appears to be breathing harder than Ali. But Ali has come out of his corner much more slowly. Berbic dominates the fifth round, and Ali doesn't look as if he has much left in him. With about 30 seconds left in the round, Ali connects with several punches to the delight of a roaring crowd. Despite starting that round slowly, Ali finishes it off strong. In the six, Ali comes out more on the offense and has a very strong round. At this point in the fight, it's pretty astonishing, especially considering Ali's health issues and the fact he's nearly 40 years old, and 12 years older than Trevor Burbick. We've reached the seventh round, and Burbick comes on strong while Ali absorbs a ton of punishment. Despite the barrage of punches, Ali screams back in Burbick's face, showing him he's still standing. I can only imagine what this moment was like for Trevor Burbick, who no doubt grew up in astonishment of the great Muhammad Ali. And now, here he is, going toe to toe with him. Despite the damage he took in the seventh round, Ali comes out in the eighth round with his famous Ali shuffle as the crowd goes nuts. Ali is on his toes, moving quickly on his feet like it was 20 years ago. He even starts landing some jabs as the crowd really comes alive. Ali chants continue to ring out through the arena as Ali dances and moves around Berbic. What is happening in the ring that night in the late stages of the fight seems to defy logic. Ali isn't dominating or anything like that but he's still there. He's still standing and hasn't backed down. Ali finishes the round connecting with a few punches to more roars from the crowd. The commentators note that it's a fairly close fight with Burbeck maybe a little ahead. The drama in the Bahamas was exactly that. In the ninth round, Ali continues to dance and shuffle but has trouble landing punches. A frustrated Burbeck keeps the offense going despite Ali holding on to him. The fatigue has clearly set in And there's not much power behind ali's punches ali knows how to beat him and what to do he just can't execute again knowing what we know now absolutely understandable but ali's age and fatigue are clearly noticeable now the final round begins with the commentators saying they hope that ali never fights again he's held his own But this is clearly not the old ali burbik lands a lot of shots in the 10th but ali still connects with a few combinations ali is giving it his all but just not connecting while burbik continues to land more shots with 90 seconds to go in the fight the ali chants continue to fill the stadium and ali tries to mount some sort of offense Berbic is relentless in his attack, but Ali continues to dodge some of his punches. By the end of the round, Ali is more or less standing there, and his punches just aren't even reaching. Berbic continues to throw some wild haymakers, but just can't rattle Muhammad Ali. The final bell rings, bringing an end to the professional fighting career of the greatest of all time. Two judges score it 99-94 and the other 97-94 in favor of Trevor Burbeck. It wasn't a surprising result, but a fight much closer than it had any right to be. Yes, Ali wasn't his former self and exhausted, but you can't say that he was embarrassed. He didn't get knocked out in 30 seconds. There wasn't a TKO. The coroner didn't throw in the towel, and it's important to note, just like in the Larry Holmes fight, Muhammad Ali was never knocked down, not even once. After the fight, Ali said, quote, I did good for a 40-year-old. He was too strong. I could feel the youth. Age is slipping up on me, unquote. But that was it, Muhammad Ali's final professional fight. But if you were an Ali fan and grew up in the 80s, you know there would be some more fights, but on the exhibition side of things. In 1982, Ali fought in two exhibition fights. And then in 1983, a final performance that people in Alberta and fans of the Edmonton Oilers probably remember. This was a three-round exhibition against the Oilers' on-ice heavyweight champion, Dave Semenko. And then there was another notable full circle moment for Muhammad Ali in the 80s that would come a few years later, and this was at the very first Wrestlemania. Muhammad Ali was the guest referee for the main event, which pitted Hulk Hogan and Mr. T against Paul Mr. Wonderful Orndorff and Rowdy Roddy Piper. On March 31, 1985, Muhammad Ali appears at this unique new event that would end up propelling professional wrestling to new heights. Ali's involvement with pro wrestling was a nice connection to its influence on his legendary career. Ali comes to the ring that night to a deafening ovation and looked in pretty great shape. At the end of the match, with all hell breaking loose in the ring, Ali steps in to go after Roddy Piper and hits him with what looks like two connecting punches, sending Piper through the ropes and out of the ring. In pro wrestling, these are what they call worked punches, and that you're not meant to hurt anyone, just look like you have. But those two shots from Muhammad Ali looked pretty real, and others thought they were too. One person who thought Roddy Piper had legitimately got punched out was the great Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Steamboat shares in an interview how he was watching all this from backstage and seeing what he thought was Roddy Piper legitimately getting drilled in the chin by Muhammad Ali. But then Piper walks backstage completely fine. Steamboat asked how he could take that punch and Piper explained that all it felt like was like someone tapping you on the chin with their finger. Even at that point, Muhammad Ali still had such extraordinary control over his reach and punches. Ali was still such a precision athlete that he could land a punch within a few millimeters of a target. In his very final professional fight, the great Muhammad Ali stood toe-to-toe with Trevor Burbick, who, remember, was a world champion. This wasn't some guy they found in a bar to face Ali, but a legitimate champion in his prime years, much younger and in better shape. Trevor Burbick was at the top of his game at this point and also won 11 of his next 13 fights. Burbick also won nine straight before losing in 1986 to the new dominant force in boxing, Mike Tyson. I think the quality of his opponent that night in 1981 makes Muhammad Ali's accomplishment even more remarkable. But that night in the Bahamas was extraordinary. It was the end of the road for an icon and legend in a memory of the remarkable heyday of one of the most astonishing athletes and human beings of our time. So that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like what you heard, there's more where that came from. And here's some of my previous episodes related to this one. I have an episode on 10 of the biggest sporting moments of the 80s, an episode on the story of the first WrestleMania, and a review of the year 1981 that looks back on all the news, sports, and big pop culture moments of the year. But then there are also a ton of other episodes for you to dive into. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Everything 80s Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so we can relive the greatest decade together. So I want to thank you for listening and whether this is the first episode you've heard or you've listened to all of them, thank you for being a part of Everything 80s. So that's it for me. I'm Jamie. This has been Everything 80s, but I'll be back soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it.